I can get a link as well. Okay, we're live. We're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Blue Broad Show in 2020. Dan, my man, what is going on? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just counting the days till round one. It, it seems to be taking forever. It is taking forever. I'll give you the hot tip, mate. It is taking forever. But um, it's good to have you back, mate. It's We're, we're going to get into it. Uh, we're going to be back in, in, full, in full swing. But um, give us a short summary of how the break has been for you and the family. Oh, it's been really good. Yeah, you know, um, Poms do Christmas big. So it's like our, our big year. So we had a massive Christmas, had a couple of uh, uh, people over, yep. nice family thing, enjoyed New Year. Um, yeah, that was about it, really. Just enjoyed the break. Yeah, that's good to see, mate. Yeah, uh, same here. It was really probably the first year of my life where I've just wanted to be around the family this year. I just want to be around them. Um, I don't know if it's me maturing, growing up a little bit, but uh, no, it was good. It was good. Um, and like you said, Round one, it, like we needed to come around as soon as possible, really. Yeah, there's only so much you can do when you watch uh, the cricket and you get a bit bored of that. Yeah, well, mate, I found myself on a TikTok now. <laughs> I was going to say, you are very popular on the old TikTok. Um, they're popping up. My wife's a big fan of the Blue Abroad TikTok show as well. Yeah, no, I love it. I just think it's uh, it's a whole new audience and it's kind of fun and before it gets overtaken by, you know, old people, I guess, uh, very much like Facebook, um, I think it's a lot of fun for now. Oh, I mean, also as well, I mean, the fact it's 30 seconds of someone doing something to music. Yeah. Really, I, I love yeah. the concept. Can't, can't get enough of it. 100%. All right. Well, welcome to you all. Uh, let's get into it. What we're going to do in these lives. Uh, first of all, I want to get through. I want to say hello to everyone. But what I want to get through in these lives over the next week or so is you would have seen, if you haven't already seen, the previews for the players that I've been doing. And basically, I'm going to take a step back in these live shows and just be a bit more of a moderator. Uh, and Dan, I want to get your thoughts on the players that I've previewed so far. I also want to get your thoughts in the audience on the players that I've previewed so far. Um, to see what we think is going to happen, um, put put some predictions out there, and we'll go from there. Before we do that, before I get on to you, Dan, uh, let's just say hello to a few people. Hash Dog, what's up? Can't wait. Just bought my membership yesterday. Can't wait for the season to start. Maddie Bem, g'day, Maddie. Big fan of the channel. Big fan of you, mate. Happy New Year. Massive year for the Baggers. Genuinely excited. We've finally got some depth. I feel like this is Rafi here. Howdy, boys. Go the Blues. Hope you're staying safe. Peter Vlahos, another regular, and he's on TikTok as well. Peter Vlahos1, check him out. Aussie All-Stars, hello to you. And our man, Drew Bakes, here he is. The Blake stock. Yeah, the Bakes. Love, love seeing you guys here. Love seeing you back. Um, let's get started, mate. Without further ado, we'll go in number order the way I did it. Um, we'll start with Jack Silvani. For you guys watching at home, Give us, give us some thoughts in the comments now in the chat about Jack Silvani and where you think his season's going to, how it's going to play out. Dan, what have you come up with, mate? What's, what's on your mind? Well, I, th I think 2019 was, you talked about like the, the micro breakout year, the low key one of SPS. I would say this was the first time we saw JSOS really answer his critics with some big performances. I know a lot of people have been talking about the 301. 
that was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal performance for me. But for me, I thought the biggest, the biggest input and impact he had was against Melbourne. If you watch the Melbourne game, uh, he went to Clayton Oliver second half, and in the fourth quarter, he actually kept Clayton Oliver to seventy-two percent turnovers. So he was actually so under so much pressure, he was giving the ball back straight away, which I thought was to me kind of underrated by the AFL press as well. Not many people have picked that up. So for me, I thought Jesus really personified what we know about his game, hard work, endeavour, and he really found a role for him. Now, I know a lot of people are talking about the midfield. I personally see him at high half forward. And one of the big reasons that is, is he's actually the AFL's fifth most efficient uh, kicking inside 50 that results in a goal. So we see him at high half forward. And that, for me, that's a big thing. For me, that's a huge thing with JSOS that people forget about. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think um, the comment you made there about the, the low-key breakout game against Melbourne, that's what I want to touch on because we often focus on the Frio game, but that was probably the first time we really started relying on the fact that maybe JSOS can play a bit of a midfield role. What do you think about that in terms of the role that he's going to play this year? Oh, definitely. For me, I think his best role would be like a high half forward um, and rotating through the middle. Um, I think that's something that David T did really well last year with how he switched up matchups when things weren't going well. And for me, he's, he's a great ace, ace in the sleeve to have. I think with tagging, you look at the people he tagged, Oliver and Fife. They're very similar types of players in the terms of movement. They don't have electric breakaway speed, which we know Jack doesn't have. But I think if he, Jack played someone like a Tom Mitchell, that, that would be an issue. So I don't think he could be a predominant tagger that way. I'd like to see him, though, as that kind of go-to man when the game is being taken away. Like Ed Kernel did struggle on Fife, but Jesos didn't. I think sometimes that change-up really can affect a player who's been tagged. If you're used to Ed Kerner and you know he's going to go in hard on you all the time, suddenly you've got Jesus, the long gangly arms. He's putting his hands on the ball before you get it. It's a different mindset and he creates a little bit of uncertainty. And I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I like it. No, I, I like what you're saying. Um, I want to get a few of the comments in here. Drew Bakes, Jack's going to go up by 10% year, this year maybe as a tagger. Definitely got a tank for it. Um, I mean, the training sessions that I have seen, I mean, I don't know if this was part of the punishment group that he was in, but uh, where he was running in some of those drills with the defenders and he was clearly ahead of them and so he should be, especially if he's a, if he's going to be playing midfield time. Um, you would think that forwards and defenders have not too dissimilar uh, a tank and to see that he's ahead of our defenders was... Again, a little thing that I noticed, but I think something that's relevant nevertheless. Uh, Peter Vlahos says he's a jack of all trades. He can go further. I think he definitely can. I think the one thing for me, and I mentioned this in my preview, was that I just noticed the strength in the hips. Uh, it was really tough to to get tackled to ground, and that's, I think, what's going to start with the, um, the confidence with him and the way he moves the ball uh, when he has it in his hands. So there's that. There's a few more here. Um, it was one I saw here as well. We should play Cottrell, says James Hartlett. Uh, Hus says that Jack kept us in that game. I'm assuming that was about the, the Frio game. 
Um, round one, and I think the other thing as well that I, I even didn't speak about in my preview with Jack was uh, we have a bit of a conundrum at the moment with our forward line. And, you know, Charlie's probably not going to be there at this stage. We don't know what's going on with Harry. So there's clearly going to be a need for Jack there in that forward line. So do you think he starts there for the year and then rotates around the ground as the year plays out? For me, I, I do see him as someone that could slot into that Colonel role. He's, he's fairly solid in the air. Um, he, he's got a good pair of hands. He's got exceptional footy IQ. And I think one of the things that we do forget about Jack is his efficiency with that kick inside 50, like I touched on earlier. That has been Carlton's biggest weakness predominantly going through the last two years. We can get it just outside 50, but we waste that entry and it's very quickly turnover. And in today's game, where most teams now build their attack from that transition, it's it's kind of giving them the ball back so they can launch their counter-attack. So for me, when you've got Jack Martin, who's also got a very high efficiency rate, with Jack Silvani on the other side, could be the tail of the two Jacks. And I could see them two really propelling us forward, particularly against Richmond, where whoever's beaten them has taken advantage of their chances they get. Richmond do give you chances. And the teams that beat them, particularly the Doggies, and particularly Collingwood last year in the uh, finals, the finals just gone before last, mm-hmm. they took their advantage and they took their chances and they built a lead that they could maintain. So if Carlton can do that, Jack and both Jacks are the kind of guys that you're looking at for that. Yep, absolutely. No, that's a good summary, mate. It's a very good summary. Any last remarks before we move on to our man, Paddy Dow? Uh, oh, from me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so something that Pete was talking about there with the 5%, um, the 10% increase, um, I did run a projection. So I took 20,500 footballers. Okay. And we've run a kind of simulation which tells us where they progress. Now, some interesting takeouts of that are players usually peak at 28. So there's a common myth that players peak at 30. Um 28 is usually where you find their best year statistically. Now, Jack, we're predicting here to he'll get his best touches. He'll average 14 and a half. And it's the goals that is really impressive. If Jack plays hard half forward, we're looking at 18 goals. It's something that if you look at Jack when he plays at the half forward mark, he's slowly progressing into a natural goal kicker. So for me, I, I think we need 20 goals from our third forward minimum. I reckon Jack could be that man. Interesting. Interesting. I hope it happens. Um, I think he's going to – I feel like 14 – I mean, he he averaged uh, 14 or so this year, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah, he did, yeah. So, Jack Silvani, like, his goals are probably the weak area. I mean, he he did have just short of 20 in 2017, but he got 13 this year. Yeah. six the year before but like if you look at the goals where they came from he was averaging just over one a game when he played full time at a half forward so for me i think that's a huge advantage for him okay thanks for that mate moving on now uh to paddy dow the young fella uh again for those of you watching at home give us your thoughts in the in the in the live chat about how you see paddy dow season playing out Dan, I've had my thoughts about Paddy Dow. What about you? Well, I mean, Jack, um, Paddy's a, a weird one. Like, for me, I think if you look at Paddy last year, what made him so good year one was his ability in and around the ball. And 
I don't think he got enough chances to see that out for the year because obviously Teague took the young players off the ball and started moving them around away from trouble. So I don't think we got to see the fruits of that labour. And I agreed with the decision, but I think that's kind of what he was known for. But things remained the same. And I think his good ability at winning the ball was proven like in the game against the Doggies and against Port Adelaide. He showed that he's got the ability to not only win the ball, but also escape from trouble quite quickly. And there was a a couple of goal assists against Port Adelaide where he's got the ball and just taken off and hit targets. Now, there is that question mark about his kicking, but his, his turnover rate has never got bigger. It's actually got less than year one. So the problem is, is he makes high profile mistakes. Like a good one I remember was the Richmond game where um, Harry McKay was on his own begging for the ball and he overkicked it by about 20 metres. The thing is, is you remember his mistakes. But Paddy's he's improving and he's well above the natural improvement mark for an AFL footballer. And most AFL footballers improve about 3% from year one to two to two to three. And then fourth year, which is the year we're coming into now, is his big jump. And I, I think I see Mark Murphy in Paddy Dow. I know this is a controversial thing, but... He's classy with the ball. When he has got the ball, he's very classy with it. He's got the ability to break lines. He's a good user, genuinely. And for me, as he gets older, I reckon he will be our Mark Murphy staple. And I reckon this year is going to be a huge year. I reckon we'll see him average around the 20 mark for touches. I reckon we'll probably see him go up the level. That would be massive for him. Honestly, that would be huge for him. I think, um, and I mentioned this in my... In, in my preview as well. I think especially with Murph as well and, and these young kids, when they do end up breaking out, the difference that I've always noticed is when the ball's in hand, they're able to just hold on to it a little longer and make decisions. And it's almost, you know, that Scott Penderbury notion of time slowing down around them. And I noticed that particularly with Murph as the example, 2010, 2011, he had the confidence in his body to hold onto that ball for a split second longer to make sure he made the right decision. And there's one thing I notice in Paddy's game. It's he's a very anxious kid. You know, he's obviously got a lot of pressure coming out from the outside, um, from supporters, from the media and the like, uh, and maybe even from the coaches and from you know at home and his own personal pressure. And I think he just every time he got the ball, I just saw him want to get rid of it as quickly as he could. Now, all good because we do want to work on our game. We want to work on our ball movement. We want to move the ball quicker under David Teague, but. Um, Paddy's a guy that, you know, he's a high-profile kid, high-profile draft pick. Um, and so for me, when he's able to just sort of slow down a little bit in his own brain, I think that's where we're going to see the best of him. To, it's to average 20 touches this year means he's probably going to have to be playing midfield full-time. Uh, and that means he's going to have to move someone out of the midfield slots that are there now. Where do you see him falling in that dynamic? And this is a question for you guys watching as well. I think it's a tough one because you've, there's a lot of players now in and around that position. There's a lot, a lot of like you know people who literally I would say now for the first time in a lot of years will be now looking over their shoulder and think if I have two poor games, if I have three poor games, I'm no longer guaranteed a start in this team. And I think Paddy Dow's one of them people that definitely will be thinking mindset wise that I can cement a spot in this 22. No, no longer are these positions a guaranteed. Like, we've got to remember Mark Murphy's coming to the end of his time. Ed Kerno's not long there. There will be a mindset from Teague as well to blow. You be careful. 
you be careful writing off Mark Murphy, mate. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely would never write him off. But I'd say there would be a mindset if I was David Teague now to think yeah. that these guys aren't going to be around forever. Yeah, they definitely are going to be around forever. So we need to start having more confidence in the youth. And Paddy Dow definitely now in that position where he is would be one of them players you're expecting to step up and be on the ball. Yep. And he looked like he put on considerable size. I thought when we went down to training together. I thought, yeah, I think he's he's really leaned out. He's got rid of that baby fat. He's starting to look more masculine. A bit like Ed Kernow did a couple of years ago when he suddenly beefed up. There was that year where he looked like he'd lost weight and was getting ready for that next injection of muscle. I, I see that in him, and I, I do feel he could definitely be that Matt Murphy type for us, that guy who can play on the ball, can play on the wing, and really change a game up. And you think with our midfield, Walsh, Cripps, Jack Martin... Um, on high half forward, it's going to be really hard to tag these players out of the game, especially if Dow steps up. Suddenly you've got a big problem. One of them has to be free. Yep, 100%. Uh, good comment here from Bonafide THC. Love the username, by the way. Um, Paddy Junior Rep. Paddy Junior Rep was, he never played a bad game. He will settle in an AFL level and be a very good mid for us. I think that's the key word there, settle. You know, obviously, first year, I spoke about it in, the, in my preview. Um, first year, you know, comes in, not a lot of expectation. Number three draft pick. We lose um, Gibbs. We lose Doherty to an extent. And, and that's relevant because Doherty was, 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 you know, touted as moving into the midfield. All of a sudden, Paddy, here you come. Just do whatever you can. And he did pretty well for, a, you know, for a fresh kid out of the draft. He was obviously thrown around a little bit and he was obviously – quite a few levels below the rest of the better midfielders. But year two saw a little bit more expectation come onto him. And he, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure, obviously I haven't seen the season play out yet, but I'm pretty sure it's just going to be one of those classical cases of second year blues. I think it's just, it just falls into that category because the traits are there. Um, people seem to forget that the actual traits are there. It's just now it's matching the body and the physical, the physical skills with the traits that he already has. And I, I would hope that that's going to happen this year. And by the end of 2020, he's just a regular starter in this in this midfield. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's only played two years. And for me, he's, this is his third year he's coming into now. And I think that that is the big thing we've got to remember. He's still just a kid. And you look at his draft class, no one has really taken the game apart. So obviously, it was never billed as the greatest draft class. It wasn't billed like... the Walsh one, they haven't got the write-up that Matt Rowell has and Anderson. So for me, he's developing nicely, and I think we've just got to withhold our pressure. I think you've got to remember as well, predominantly, your first year, you're not in the guts. Yep. And Dow was really centre stage. And last year, team took him away from that, which will only aid his development because he's not getting smashed around anymore. He's getting time on the ball. And he's getting time to iron out them mistakes and not gloss them over. So I'm really excited about him. I think, he, he like I say, I, I rate him as highly as Mark Murphy. I think he will be around that class. And I, I think he's a definite 200 gamer for Carlin. Love it, love it. What do the projections have in store for Paddy Dow in 2020? Can you give so us 2020, um, they're projecting that Dow will get 16.8 touches. So that's... Higher than what he's been on. His, high, his previous highest is 14. He's always stayed around that mark. Um, I think the interesting one, though, is TPI really likes his, his keen sense for goal. 
Uh, and he reckons he's going to start to get to the double figures mark, which if you look at the other AFL teams, uh, Richmond, the Eagles, they've all got guys who chip in with 10 goals or minimum. And that's something that we suffer from. We don't get a lot of goals in the midfield. So it's really seeing that. And it's seen an increase in his time on the ball. So if he can come back with 17 touches next year, that really stands him in good stead for when most players increase their output by 10 to 20% in year four. And that's when we should be starting to see the real fruits. It's year four is really the year that players go yep. up that level traditionally. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Moving on to my boy, Mark Murphy. I'm going to try and not talk about, about him too much. I'll leave this one to you. Um, first of all, those of you in the in the in the in the audience again, how do you see Mark Murphy's year playing out? Dan, what about you? What's your overview of Murph? Because I know that you're not going to be biased with with him like I am. It, it's hard not to be because you're you're such a big fan. But I mean, Mark, Mark Murphy's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's like the whipping boy of Carlton. When when times were bad, he was the forefront. Kind of like Dow is now. It's quite weird. I liken Dow to Murphy. Dow kind of suffered last year when we were showing a bit. He was always that but. Yeah, Carlton are okay, but but Dow looked shocking. That was like the comments you saw quite a bit. The team's getting good, but he's rubbish. And Murphy's always had that throughout his career, but he's like a fine wine, isn't he? He just never goes away. And for me, unbiased opinion, I would say Murphy is the most classiest ball at the club since Jack Martin. Now, Jack Martin is pure class, but to me, Mark Murphy... He's a great user. His touches haven't really changed. 25 last year. Um, he is ran, though, I will warn people, 30, 33 is usually the year after that it starts to slide down. It starts to it starts to slide down. We, start to, we do see an alarm. It's usually about 10%, and it starts to get worse and worse from here on in. So really you would say this is Mark Murphy's last year, I would hope, as top 22. As top mean, 20. Yeah. I'd like him still be there, but I'd like to think there is other names if we have this conversation next year that are on the ball. But for me, Mark Murphy's ability on the ball was exceptional. His experience and wisdom, he steadied that ship. He might have not been captain in name, but he was definitely the captain on the field against Fremantle. And for me, that is what he's worth. He's worth all that experience. The lack of experience we have he makes up for it. And, I mean, if you have someone to kick that goal against Fremantle, who would you want the ball to fall to? It's a very good, it's a very good point. He, he's the best field... Oh, for me, he's the best field kicker at the club, maybe with Samo. And Oscar is literally... Oscar Roberts has literally just written that comment, as I said it. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think the beauty of where Murph's at in his career now is... I mean, if you look at when he played his best footy, <laughs> For me, it was without a doubt 2011, uh, and then you look at what did he have around him there. Well, we had we had a pretty good sort of engine guy in Andrew Corato around him, who you can maybe liken to an Ed Kerno. He had a pretty good superstar contested ball winner around him, Chris Judd. You can probably liken Patrick Cripps to him, and I just can't help but feel like now that everyone else around him is better, he's going to start shining a little bit more, particularly in the games that we're going to start winning. Um, it's very easy to forget what happened in 2019, but I've gone back and, and watched some of these highlights, like that uh, that Hawthorne game, that Gold Coast game. Um, these are, you know, I think there was one more in there that was pretty close uh, that we 
that we let slip. But these type of games, I think we're going to be starting to turn the corner and winning these close ones. And he's going to be an integral part of that. I think he's got the confidence now within himself because he had a pretty good year health-wise um, after a disastrous, you know, 2018. Um, and so I kind of feel like with Cripps feeding him the ball and us looking to get him into open space, that he's going to be a beneficiary of the game plan. Oh, 100%. I think I think the best thing that happened to Mark Murphy was his captaincy be taken off him. Yeah. I, I think we I did agree. see... Yeah. I, I, I personally thought at the time we were going to see an improvement in his output because that was a big burden at the time. And I think it's allowed him to open up because now we get to use him like most other clubs use a 33-year-old. And that's for their experience, their coolness of the head. And I think for players like Dow, I think for players like Fisher particularly SPS, another guy that is a very similar type of player with the way he uses the ball, likes to work in confined spaces. He's going to have that time now to really pass on his wisdom and influence these guys. And for me, Mark Murphy, I'll never have a bad word to say about Mark because he said it himself. He's had opportunities to leave this club. And if we go back to 2011, you've got to remember the bookies at round 12 had him as the odds-on favourite to win the Brownlow. Mm. Like, we forget how good Mark Murphy was. Like, no, you don't. But I, I, I do think that kind of got lost on us. So for me, with Mark Murphy, I mean, if anyone owes, if the club owes anyone anything, he probably is owed a flag. Yeah. So he can finish off the job he stayed for. Like when he talks about last year and he had offers to leave the club multiple times and he's always stayed, like him and Simo kind of are owed a, a flag by this team. Yep, I totally agree. What do the projections have him running at this year? Well, the projections actually have him booking the trend and going up by 0.4. So they actually have him 25.9 touches. Um, and the interesting, I've just run the season simulation. There is a video coming later next week um, where TPI has taken the 2020 um, season for us. It actually sees Mark Murphy being deployed more in the forward line as well. We saw a bit of it last year where he'd rest there. So he actually has got him kicking 12 goals this year as well. We know he loves a snag. And for me, I can actually see Mark Murphy kind of retire yep. in that forward pocket area and because he, he's got the natural gift to kick a banana. I mean, we've now got the two best kickers of a banana in the comp, haven't we, in Betts and Murphy? They can have, they can have a pocket each. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's exciting times for Carlton. Yep, for sure. All right, moving on. Lockie O'Brien is next up. And again, for those of you at home, uh, what do you think about Lockie O'Brien and how his season will play out? Dan, what's what's on your mind with Lockie? He's an interesting one. Well, we know that I love Lockie. So we don't like, think he loves Lockie. You, you defended Murphy. I, I, I defended Lockie for who is he. Um, and I've got a big. I'm a big fan of Lockie. I did. He was, I did say he was one of the players I predicted would improve under Teague with the direct style of football, and he really did. For me, I think showed why we drafted him so highly. He, he really did improve, and I think one of the things that really surprised me was his ability um, to hit targets inside fifty and that long left foot of his. Like we really started to see him deliver the ball from seventy meters out. Which was which helped set up where Teague likes this fast break. For me, I think it's just more of the same for him. And I think one of the question marks I saw was: Is he tough enough to play the game? 
if anyone watched the Brisbane game, he was the only one to square up to Mitch Robinson. So we really saw that fight and desire from him last year. And I, I think this guy has got all the skills to be a, a very good wingman for an AFL side. And I think, for me, I hope he gets the opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think the one thing I've definitely noticed with him over the preseason, you know, I've been to, I've been to every single training session so far, the open sessions, that is. Um, I've noticed the, the noticeable size that he's put on. But having said that, he hasn't limited his running ability at all because he's still running hard. And, you know, when I see them do their, their laps and their 400s and even their 200s, they do split them up into groups of about four or five, maybe six. And it's usually uh, split up based on who were the better runners. And he's, he's in the first group. So it's him, Sam Walsh, Ed Kerno, uh, Cottrell's in there as well. And that's pleasing to see because naturally he's obviously going to be growing. He's becoming a bit more of a man. He doesn't have that that boy-ish body anymore. And to see that combined with the fact that he hasn't lost his running power, it bodes well. Um, for me, and, and, and very similar to Paddy Dow, I'm not so obsessed with this idea of them having to break out this year and play 22 games because if others because we have depth on the list. And if others are doing the job, if Gibbons is playing a midfield role and, and keeping them out, if, if Setterfield stays in the side, if Matt Kennedy breaks out a little bit more and, and keeps them out, I'm okay with that. Provided that if they are playing in the VFL, I really want to make sure that that's where the expectation comes and they're dominating. Um, because for me, I think over the last few years, we've just had too many players who, whether it's because they're too young or inexperienced, there's just too many of these guys that we've been quote-unquote, carrying, you know, the guys that are getting the eight-possession games or the 11-possession games. And that's okay if you're a forward, I guess. But if you're a midfielder, you know, there's, there has to be some sort of an expectation that you're going to be winning the ball 15 to 18 times at least because that's what the better teams are doing. And, you know, if you win less of the ball overall as a team, you have less chances to use it in a sort of – it's a flow-on effect. So I'm not so obsessed with if Lockie O'Brien plays 20 games this year. It would be great if he did. It would mean that he stepped up his game. Um, but I've still got a, at least another year of patience for him and Paddy Dow to an extent to really break in and be absolute mainstays in the side. What do you think about that? Oh, 100%. I mean, you've got to remember Dow and O'Brien, both third-year players this year. So st statistics do tell us that it's the fourth year that counts. The third year is more of a consolidation year, and it can go one or two ways. It's either worse than year two or slightly better. And, and what we're looking for is kind of a consolidation here. And for me, I think what people forget about Lockie O'Brien, we do hear a lot about his touches. Now, if you look at Camden McIntosh at Richmond, he is a guy that they highly regard. You speak to Richmond fans, as we had um, Robert on the show in the new year, he was talking about how big McIntosh is and Cowton should try and get him. If he's available, he's a type of player we looked at. But you look at McIntosh, how important he is to their system. He only averages 14, 15 touches a game, but it's what he does with it. So you've got to remember his efficiency. If his efficiency is at 80%, 15 touches is the same as having someone with 30 touches who's going at 50%. So to me, Lockie needs to use it. He does need to find the ball. And I think Lockie falls under the category a bit like Dow and Paulson because they look very boyish. Everyone assumes that they're weak and soft. But for me, he's put the weight on. He's got the endurance. He's got the, he's got the speed. He's got the booming left foot. He's got all the facets that are a point of difference. So for me, I am very excited about seeing Lockie. And exactly like you say, when they're in the VFL, 
I want these guys knocking down the door. I want us to be doing a show every week and saying, is 18 touches enough to keep your position in this job when Lockie O'Brien's had 30 at VFL? Like, I want that. I want that there, that, that argument to be every week. Yeah, I want there to be arguments amongst us with who should come into the side because there's, you know, there's three guys that have dominated in the VFL for a couple of weeks and there's a couple of guys who are maybe holding on to their spot because they've got a nice name or whatever it is. And, and that's, it's yeah, it might be a short-term pain for us having arguments and, and pulling each other's hair out, but it's good for the club. Oh, I mean, how many times? I mean, if you remember two years ago, a, we, a player on the outside got injured and your option was Sam Carriage or yeah. Nick Bryan. <laughs> and, and when you looked at their VFL numbers, they were horrible. Like, I, I want that situation now, like Brisbane have, where they're dominating their state level, but they're not getting any injuries and they just can't get in the team. So, like, to me, that is what we need at Carlton Football Club. And for me, O'Brien's one of them players that, is he the best 22? He might be on the precipice, but if he's in the VFL, I want that name to be jettisoned in the argument. Yep. Murphy has 20 touches and we start having the conversation. Lockie's had 230 games. Why isn't he getting a chance? Yep. And that's what we want. So for me, I think he's got a really, really, really good opportunity moving forward. Yeah, good call. Good call. Um the final one for the night, Sam Petrovsky Seaton. And and I said this in my preview, and when I actually went back and watched my preview for Samo last year, I was talking about how Zach Fisher had gone ahead of him. Um, they were obviously drafted in the same draft. I think that's turned. I, I, I think Samo had a really good 2019. Oh, no getting away from it. You said it yourself, low-key break, low breakout year. And I think... He, He's one who statistically had the largest output increase under Teague. Um, now, I, th I thought one of the good things Teague did was there was a thing that he kind of was getting called the turnover king. I went through some of the old posts and saw a lot of people saying he's an apple turnover, he butchers the ball. My, all my favourite euphemisms for footballers came out. And I... Moving him down back gave him that time to show us how classy he is. And he kind of stagnated. He had that doggies game. And then there was a couple of games where he never kind of reached the heights. And that move down back, we started to see him get the ball because he does find the ball and he does use it well. So for me, that is a huge thing for me moving forward with SPS. I think he is a midfielder. And personally, I feel that he had that down the back time purely to get his hands on the pill again. I see a lot of Sam Mitchell in SPS. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, look, if he, could, if he could win the ball like Sam Mitchell did consistently, that would be great. I think, um, like I mentioned, that Doggies game, for me, he's got to be a midfielder. That Doggies game showed me that he's going to eventually become a full-time midfielder. Now, whether he has to spend a few years across half-back for you know, for learning, maybe maybe that's the case. Very very similar to what we did with Bryce Gibbs in a sense. We played him off the halfback because he was a good user, long penetrating kick, etc. Um, whether that's the plan with Samo and then eventually move him into a full time midfield role, I'm not sure. Um, but it makes sense for me. Ultimately, whatever the plan is, I think I think it needs to be catered towards him being in the middle because. When I look at him and when I look at the way he kicks the ball, especially those short 45-degree angle kicks, yes, he can open up play with his kicking, but 
I think particularly that one kick inside 50, that's that's where the good teams become great. That lower the eyes, that Mark Murphy does it pretty well. I think Samo can also do it pretty well because he's got the ability to make a quick decision and, and execute a kick with patience, um, but precision. And so I'm looking for him to be a midfielder by the end of his career. Uh, do you think he will eventually become the midfielder or are you happy for him to stay across half? And this I, is a- I want him in the midfield. And for me, I think he will play in the midfield this year. I, I think that that is where he does his best work. You look at his key fundamentals. He, he's a very good user of the ball. He's got silky skills. Um, for me as well, a big thing about him is he's one of them players we talked about, Dal. He's another one where he seems to, the game slows down. He seems to have more time than he needs. And that's why I used the Sam Mitchell comparison. He just seems to spin and suddenly the gaps open. And for me, I reckon Pom's big call, I reckon he'll average over 22 touches this year. I reckon he will be in the top five of possession getters. I reckon he'll really go up that level. It's his fourth year. It's his fourth year, so I'd expect to see a big jump now. I reckon you'll see it. I reckon, and especially with Betts there. When we were there, we saw he was working with Betts doing the round the corner kick. I reckon you add that goal kick into his game because we know he likes a snag. I reckon you'll see a big year for. I reckon the Cowboys are smoky for me. Top three best and fairest. Yeah, it would be huge because the the, the thing that I was asking for from him those quarters to extend and extending those those flashes of brilliance out across a quarter. Um, I think I think going up another level this year and getting the ball 23 times a game or 24 times a game, it's only going to be positive for us because he's such a good user of the ball. So for me, that's what I'm looking for. Um, Bonafide THC says that he's a great piece to have. He really likes his versatility, but his vision and ball use stand out. He has elite level skills just needs to jump into that next bracket of mids and, and that that is that is exactly right i think both him and, and zach fisher who we'll get to at, on a later show um those are the those are the two guys like you said coming into that fourth year three pre-seasons under their belt now i think samo missed his first i think he missed his first pre-season with us maybe his first two um but again coming into that fourth year now plenty of experience um, he's got a lot of potential here, as Rafi's saying. So it's going to be it's going to be a good year for him, I, I feel as well. You know, obviously he's got to be healthy. Oh, hundred percent. But I mean, like for me, he he's steadily he he's one of them people that is the perfect AFL footballer. He's got better every year, slightly better, and he's built. And for me, he's got them players around him now. He's got Martin. He's got SPS. He's got Betts. Real good core nucleus, and it is. It is a stereotype, but it is historically true that a good indigenous content usually makes the players better and go up a level. And we saw that when we were there. There was the secret handshakes coming out. There was that camaraderie. And these guys rub off each other. So you can bet your ass to a bound dance. You're going to see bets twirl, hit a snag. And Martin and SPS, they're going to lift. They're going to start lifting. Yep, for sure. All right, well, let's open it up for about two or three minutes. If you have any general questions, um, please let us know. By the way, if you aren't subscribed yet, now is the time. Hit that subscribe button. Um, it's cool to be growing here on YouTube as well. Uh, what we're going to be doing over the course of the next few weeks is you would have seen the player previews that have come out that I've, I've put out uh, in lots of five. After we do five, we'll jump on a live and, and sort of 
uh, review the review the previews, if you will, and uh, that's how this will work. Um, but yeah, make sure you subscribe. You get the notifications if you do for when we go live, and we can go from there. Rafi says that will asks, will Betts Martin and SPS be the new three amigos? Is is there another trio that we can? Musketeers. Musketeers. Okay, yeah, musketeers. I don't know. Is this is there some sort of like I don't know superhero Justice League type trio uh, out there? We'll we'll have to think about it. But um, I get I get the sentiment. You know. Three, uh, the three quick fellas. Um, We've got Jones as well. He's another Indigenous player. So if you have four, you've got the fantastic four. Okay, I like I like where we're going with this. I like where we're going with this. Um, Al nine XS four. Hello to you, Carlton is coming alive again. I can't wait until the season starts with the addition of Martin and Betts. Could get us into the top eight contention. Uh, Cadrick says the three Stooges. That is a, that actually is another one if they're not performing very well. <laughs> I like that one. I rate that. Fair play. Um, uh, Ramagar is Jack Martin going to be playing midfield? Um, well, I think if you go on his press conference, he was asked the exact same question. You know, where will you be playing? And he said forward. Um, I can imagine him playing as a forward who moves into the midfield. Uh, on rotation. I felt like he only played those bulk midfield minutes and even across half-back for Gold Coast because that was so bad and that was so injured. Uh, but I, I can see him as a forward mid. Yeah, I, I think I think if he goes into the mid, it'll be a bit like the Tom Pat play, you know, where they need that pace and that little creativity and he does it in spurts to change it up. And we do know that Teague loves to change it up and it's one of the things that was really refreshing, I thought, as a Carlton fan, that we didn't do the same thing for four quarters. We did try and actively try and change the outcome of the game. So I, I can see Martin, you know, going on the ball, going on the wing at times when times need. I mean, particularly against teams like Hawthorne and teams like that, I can see that where a, a shift can change the game a bit. Yep. Sava is asking, where do you think Carlton will finish on the ladder? I think this is the most commonly asked question. Uh, Dan, where are we finishing on the ladder? And everyone at home, where do you think we're finishing on the ladder? Well, Put your I, number I in the tenth. I keep saying tenth, but I, I, I've got a little question asterisk on it. I reckon it'll be tenth, but I reckon we will be in finals contention going into like the penultimate week. I reckon we'll be very close. Yep. I like it. I've also said 10th as well. Uh, but, yeah, again, those of you at home, where are we finishing? Put the number in the comments. Adam Galgano, I'll get to you in a minute, mate. James McGuire says 10th. Tracy says 19th to 12th. Um, Covering that's that. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Vlahos says 11th. Cadrick says 7. Uh, Rafi says number one, baby. Love that. Um oh, if we finish top, I'll, I will be uncontrollable. This this, not only is this city ours again, but this country is ours if we have some sort of a year where we finish anywhere near the top. Uh, if we finish top one, I, I will be the biggest pain in the backside you've ever seen on live. It, it, is, it is on for young and old. <laughs> Adam Galgano is asking, where does Philp play around one? I, I don't think so. I mean, and it's not a knock on him. He could prove me wrong, but... Where where do you where does he fit in? If we're talking about Paddy Dow and and Lockie O'Brien struggling to get a game, how, how is Philp going to get a game? 
Well, I mean, I think it'll be very dependent on the pre-season games. I mean, Phil fits the bill. We know that pace is a way to be Richmond. Yep. You look at the doggies, you look at Collingwood, very quick, aggressive football works. And Phil, that's what he does. That's his That's his prerequisite. My, my gut says no, unless he has a blinding tack. But I reckon we'll see Phil before round eight. Yep. There's, there's Pom's big call. I reckon mm-hmm. he'll come. First show of the year, and you've given us two big calls, mate. I like it. Someone's we'll, we'll probably get big calls throughout the year. There'll probably be so many. It'll make a really good highlight for the end of 2020. That's why we love you, mate. That's why we love you. <laughs> Bonafide THC, do you think the Ollie Wine story is dead, or is there still life? Ah, oh, look, it depends who you are. I think if you're asking Dan, it's uh, <laughs> it's always alive. Well, well, we know I love a conspiracy. Um <laughs> Uh, for me, reading between the lines, he was dropped as captain, which to me would say, yes, he said he wants out. Um, I think it depends, though, on players like Dow and other players. If they start to step up and be a real powerhouse on the ball, Ollie Wines might have to kiss goodbye to his cow and dream. But you'd love Ollie Wines and Cripper together, wouldn't you? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. It, it, you'd find a way of slotting them in. it's tough it's tough we'll see what happens Uh, one last question here Ramagar is Doherty back to his 2017 best Uh, I'm really keen on just holding off on the Doc um, um, the Doc expectations because like give him at least half a year half a season to just get his find his feet again Um, if he does show anything like his 2017 form, all bets are off. What do you think? I don't know. You see, I was like you until we went to go and watch him in training and then I saw him gliding across the oh, turn. So to set marks. And and where way I feel now, 2017 is amateur hour. Yeah. It's, look- it's gonna be will he be as good as 2020 ever again? I reckon I reckon he'll he'll surprise you because it's the lateral movement that usually goes. And I tell you what, that guy was springing around. So let's touch wood. I reckon if he stays fit, oh, forget about it. All Australian. Thank you, Rory Laird, for keeping my spot warm. Yeah, very true. The thing with him is the decision making is what he built his game on. It wasn't the athleticism. It was. It's not anything other than. It's just simply he has the ability to read the play and make the right decision of where to kick the ball. Um, so there's the case for Sam Doherty being better than what he was pre-injury. But surely the match fitness and you know the third, end of the third quarter, end of the fourth quarter, that red time. You know that's going to take some time to get back. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, I think for, you know, you look at Daisy, for example, he missed the better part of two years. Um, he also was not a guy that relied on athleticism. He probably relied more on, on, on elite fitness and being able to run himself into the ground and, and really, you know, have that gut running. Um, so look, we'll see what happens with Doc. I'm not going to put too much expectation on him, but he is a little ace up the sleeve potentially. Oh, for me, I think when we look at, if we, if we look at it, You've got to remember that an intercept defender like he is, who is, is just a pure rebounding intercept defender, and that's what he's made his name for. 
you've got to judge them on the players around them. And you look at 2017's back line, it was pants. Yeah. Look at it now you've got Weir in who is banging down the door for all Australian. Jones banging down that door. And then, like, you know, on his outside, he's got Newman who showed a lot. The attacking prowess. There's a guy who's going to get a lot of the ball fed to him by Doc. He he tore games up. Plowman's brilliant. Probably the most underrated backman in the comp. Like, he's got a really... He's coming back now into a, ahead of him the better than that he's ever played with. And with him a better. Like, if you're Doc, you're like... He's been in a time machine for two years. And suddenly... The midfield's good. The back line's good. Like, he can just be like Tom Stewart and just roam around. He's kind of like Goku when he goes to the hyperbaric time chamber and everyone yeah. has to get better. <laughs> like, like, he's fine. Like, Doc doesn't have to work as hard. So he could maybe play that role like you see Tom Stewart does. Doesn't have a man. His job is just roam around and stop the ball. And... I think exciting times. I reckon, Doc, 2017 will be pathetic in comparison. I reckon if I was a betting man, I'd be putting $500, Doc, all Australian, first year back. Oh, gosh. Thank yeah. you very much. Gamble response. Doc. <laughs> Look, mate, with that, let's end it there. What a show. What a first, uh, first episode back. I already feel better. Um, great to have you back. Great to have everyone else back. Um, Cadric, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you got that Dragon Ball Z reference. Thanks for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, like I said, subscribe to the channel. More coming on the YouTube channel, more coming on Facebook, everywhere. Uh, we'll have the previews coming up next week as well. And really looking forward to getting to cracking into season 2020. I just can't wait for these bloody games to start. Dan, thank you again, as always, and have a great night, mate. Night, guys. Thank you very much. See you later.